We're on a collision course with the national championship, and the only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, or get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCoco! Well, we thought we'd be back happy Full of cheers, uh, excited for the the bowl season. And while I still think we're excited for postseason football, there's a little bit of a somber mood on the show tonight. I'm from the Pink Seeds podcast. And that's just how it goes when you lose to your rival. A lot to get into tonight on a, a show where we might we might get angry, we might cry, we might laugh. I don't know what's gonna happen. We're gonna find out uh, here tonight. And uh, as always, joined by my fellows here, Matt McGavick is gonna is gonna jump on here shortly. But Vincent Lococo. Presley Meyer, we're back for our final uh, game preview of the regular season, or I guess game recap, I should say. Yeah, I, it has flown by like surprisingly fast. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, from, from going from the BC game, like I texted you guys earlier, I was like, "Oh man, this is gonna, this is gonna suck." And then they uh, turned it around there, and uh, was really hoping they could pull two out of those three, you know, last stretch of games out. But I mean, they didn't, and. You know, it was an all right year. I yeah. think it was up, up definitely. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We'll have a little conversation debate. I guess we'll see where we all end up on the. Is it a successful year? Was it not a successful season? Um, bowl game still yet to uh, to come. We'll find out. Hopefully, I think on Sunday where no, the bowl destination struggle. will be. Okay, that's what you yeah, say. I've seen a lot of SEC matchups today. Uh, which what what is that? The Camping Bowl? What's the bowl where the SEC teams are? Because it's not the Pinstripe Bowl. That's the Big Ten. I'm pretty sure. Is it the SEC game? Uh, or, uh, not the SEC game. The um, the uh, I can't remember the name of the bowl game. Sumble. No, the, that's Pac-12. That's oh, Pac-12. Really? Is so really? that's yeah. Anyways, there's, we're gonna get into all a, this stuff. There's a, there's a Cheez-Its bowl. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's SEC. I'm pretty. I was happy. really uh, liking when we were in the running for the Duke's Mayo Bowl because I was yeah. really hoping to get in that and see Set get like Mayo dumped on his head. I thought that would have been really funny. I feel like Isaac Martin would have had his viral moment at the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I don't know why, but something just screams Isaac doing something with mayonnaise. Uh, maybe it'll be Will Levis at the speaking of the Duke Mayo Bowl. I know that's not the name of it this year, but uh, maybe Will Levis will get to go there and uh, have the bowl game of his dreams. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, I say all that to, to set up the show tonight. We're going to obviously dive into uh, what took place on the field on Saturday as Louisville Falls to Kentucky. For what the third the third time in Seth's tenure? I know he's uh, he's over, but I can't remember if it's three or four. Regardless, um, over three, over three, disappointing outcome. Uh, a lot of the same things that we've kind of seen over the the last few years uh, rear its ugly head again. Uh, but we'll talk about all that and how it impacts the, the season overall. Scott Satterfield's future at Louisville, uh, which seems to be a little bit more uh, firm now than it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then we'll obviously, it's been a busy couple of days with the roster, already some roster turnover. We'll get into the transfer portal conversation and uh, really where Louisville will find itself this transfer portal season. It's it's a really interesting dynamic. So we'll dive into all of that tonight, as well as uh, with what's out there, kind of at least briefly touch on the bowl game and where Louisville could find themselves 
playing in the postseason. Uh, it's going to definitely be interesting. I've seen everything from the military bowl uh, to the uh, Duke L carrier bowl. That's not what it's called anymore, but something along those lines, the Birmingham bowl. Thank you. Presley in the chat here uh, providing the facts as he does each week. Uh, but we'll we'll dive into a, a ton of other stuff. Again, as I mentioned, Matt McGavick will join us here momentarily once he uh, gets the dog dropped off uh, with his girlfriend there and settles his his situation down. We did this podcast at seven o'clock for him, and he's not even here, man. What is this? <laughs> this is tomfoolery from Matt McGavick at its finest. Yep. yep. Uh, but before we dive into everything in the show tonight, uh, Vince's game notes, right and wrong, all the the usual segments here as we break down Kentucky. Um, want to make sure I mention that you you should subscribe to the show if you're not already from the Pink Seeds podcast. Anywhere that you get your podcast from, you can catch us there. Uh, episodes weekly throughout the season. We'll see what the cadence is as we get into the offseason, but definitely a lot of good content uh, coming in the next couple of weeks, including a bowl game show. Uh, but of course, as you if you've been listening for a while now, you know how we do things postseason. A lot of intricate breakdowns, a lot of details. So we'll do that again in the next couple of weeks. So really encourage you to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Pink Seeds Pod at the State of Lou. Uh, you can check out these guys at Press Meyer, at Vincent Lacoco, at Matt underscore McGavick, and at Jacob Lane zero eight. Um, fellas, before we do any of that, I need uh, uh, I need you to paint a. a story for me here a picture of, with words of your trip to lexington together <laughs> uh because i've seen text messages i've obviously seen tweets uh but i <laughs> i'm very curious to get the the details and the play-by-play of how your all's trip to lexington went because it certainly seems like uh presley took advantage of having vince by his side that's all i'll say <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'll say I told you that's, that's what I, I would have done. So this I'm whole time I'm thinking about you, and, the, and my, I'm like, "This is what Jacob was talking about." This yeah, is exactly. I would just be like, "Shut up, bitch!" This my no. friend Vince. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying? Though. I had a great I, time. I, it I, sure I, sounds I, like it. I think that you can be like, I know how to just just push the push the boundaries without name calling or, um, you know, for the most part, not not you know. I'm not going to like call anybody stupid to their face. Well, or... he called us city slickers first. Oh yeah. He, he called us city slickers. Yeah. What I mean, that is what people from not from Louisville <laughs> call people from Louisville. And I love my, that. Like, by I, the way, I love that. Vince we wears, all looked at each other. We just started laughing. <laughs> we were like, Vince, oh Vince wears like boots and a, in a hoodie. I'm not <laughs> sure what indicates that he's a city slicker, but I was, I was born in Taylor County. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I mean, overall, the trip was great. The drive down was just your normal banter of, man, I hope we do this. Hope we do that. What can go wrong? What can go right? And then uh, that parking was pretty smooth. I thought we oh, were great. Smooth. I mean, Presley, oh. I mean, give us really a play breakdown. What did you what did you have from the concession stand? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what snack did you take in the truck? Uh, well, oh, we had dog. wings whenever we got there. Oh, yeah, corn, corn dog. dog. Nice. That's it a snack for a football game, man. Gas station corn dog. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, that's that's a bold move. You talk about uh, bee holes being built different. That's a bold <laughs> move right there. A gas station corn dog before the football game. Yeah, we had, it, uh, Emmy spilled the beans, though. She said that, that Vince's stomach isn't as strong as he, he tried to <laughs> He's got he some literally tum-tum spilled issues. The beans. See, we all knew it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was cool being boxed in, to be honest with you. I hadn't been in an away game uh, as a fan in a long time. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool just being, you know, we had our group, and that was it. Like, just this whole section of people cheering for Louisville. It was it was cool. Game day atmosphere. I mean, their stadium sucks. They have better yeah. food options than us. Yeah. Skyline, 
I mean, you can sign me up for any stadium that has Skyline in it. So I will give UK some props there. Evan Skyline is trash. Skyline is trash. Out of here. This man, this is how he comes <laughs> into the show. Those terrible chili takes. Knowing that that's yeah, like the, part of his man, stick. The man with the worst chili on the planet, on the face of the planet, has has a chili take about Skyline. Like, yeah, right. I make come chili on. like that one time and I just. Excuse me, refrain from not calling it chili. You're not doing chili. <laughs> You know, justice. That's bean dip. You, you know you what I call it? You know what I call it? Delicious. That's right. That's what I call it. <laughs> All right. What else? Give me some other. Was there anybody that opposed Presley's trash talk? Besides, uh, the there was this guy. one guy kind of shaped like a meatball, but he had like red hair and a red beard. And um, that was the same guy calling us a city slicker, though. At the same time, yeah. He was, yeah. He, he was yelling at the wrong. T- I mean, he's yelling at us, and it's me and Max and Presley and. I mean, we're just laughing at this guy making a fool out of himself in front of mm-hmm. his entire family. It's like a girl. It'd be like you, Jacob, with both your kids and your wife there. Your wife's clearly driving home and you're just dogging us. Yeah. Like cussing us out, making yourself look like a fool in front of your kids. And it's like, <laughs> wow. I feel like that guy is what my kids think that I already look like, even though I don't do those things. Like, that's how my kids <laughs> see me when I but watch everybody sports. else, everybody else, though. I mean, we went to a UK tailgate with some people I've been friends with for forever. And I mean, we enjoyed Presley. You can test. That was the best jerk chicken you've ever had in your life. Yeah, yeah. Probably the and best friends I've ever had in my life. And so, no, I mean, so, well, so to good. be honest with you, I think that it's it encapsulates uh, what what the rivalry is like? I think the football r- rivalry, especially when you go to UK, is a good encapsulation of what the rivalry is. Which is, we can all be friends, but during the game, I'm I'm gonna talk my shit, yeah, and and like you know maybe push the boundaries a little bit, but ultimately, like I don't want to fight you. I don't want to you know <laughs> give you a hard time, but I'm gonna have a good time and I'm gonna be louder than you. Oh and, yes, you should get free tickets to every away game. Like no yeah. joke, Louisville. The university should just you can figure out the flight. You should fly like on that. the team plane. They should just bought you a ticket. Yes. Yeah, and you're. I mean, they yeah. just need to do that for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna talk my shit. If you give me the L's down, I'm just gonna give you the L's up and laugh in your face. And that's exactly what happened. So yeah, it, well, and you you didn't stop there. You you uh, took your you know your literal L's up and and took it to Twitter where you tried to mm-hmm. L's down or L's up all the L's down people there. And it certainly uh, was interesting to watch. It's always great when I get texts from people who are like, "Yo, is this you tweeting this?" And I'm like, "No, I don't tweet from the state of Louisville account. That's one man only." Uh, and once again, it just my, from my perspective, you just had one too many BLs on a nice football night. We've all been there, okay? Yeah. We've all been there. We've all had too many bush lights, bud lights, whatever you want to throw in there. It wasn't even. It wasn't Miller even light. Because, <laughs> dude, Presley was just on straight juice. Yeah, like, I just, was like, yeah, he drove. He yeah, was on just was straight like, yeah, like. Yeah. It, I was, was it was you brought you gave your all for the bill, man. You've I done gave that all season. Oh, I think that wild. I think that this year in the saddies or whatever we end up calling them. I know last week we had the Isaac Martin Award, but we also need the I gave it all for the Ville Award, and you might be the recipient. Oh, uh, no, of I that get, award yeah. Well, I'm technically gonna not a host of this podcast, so yeah, so you can win uh, awards. So, yeah. I mean, Vince <laughs> won the award for worst take last year, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, which oh. was complete bull. Matt's definitely Matt's chili take is the worst. Yeah, but I think that was that's not a football take. Football take. Unfortunately, yes, it is. Football and chili are very synonymous. They're the same thing. You can't have football without chili. Okay, Vince, Vince, point me out on Saturday where chili was involved on the football field. Uh, There was definitely a UK booster on the field eating Skyline. Boom, involved in the game. You're telling me Big Dog didn't have a Coney at halftime? 
You're He's crazy. definitely stuffed a Coney You're crazy. Hey, 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 that's future Cincinnati head coach. <laughs> there you go. That's a great way to tie that in. And, and Wildcat Matt joins the show on cue. I love that. But no, this, 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 uh, this, you went to Lexington too, didn't you, Matt? Yeah, I was in the press box. Did you see these guys? Probably not because we know you don't, oh. you don't exit your elitist uh, home while you're there. Okay, well, I, I need to ask I, I you. I stay this. in my ivory tower. <laughs> Matt, we, we know you're, you're very impartial, UK Matt. Um, you know, he, <laughs> he likes to he likes to give his his wildcat mat takes. Uh, so, how did you feel that the visitor section performed? Do you think Do you think that we were allowed? I'm gonna be honest with y'all. There there wasn't a ton of Louisville fans from my vantage point. There was the one section over on the north end of the end zone yeah. that had like there was you know the designated section, but other than that, it was just straight blue. I I thought that like. There were Louisville fans there. I'm not going to say there weren't, but it was pretty dominatingly blue. Well, I was going to say, so, you know, not in terms of numbers necessarily, but in terms of just kicking some ass, like you didn't think, you didn't think that we were, uh, we were louder than the rest of their stadium. I'll stroke your ego and I'll say you were. Yeah. <laughs> just to make him feel no. better about himself okay no the, the real question <laughs> no I, here's the thing though Presley. i get where you're getting at but like the advantage from my perspective of watching on my couch and the crowd that i saw i did not see a very prominent louisville crowd now i saw pictures and and the uh, stuff on social which looked like it was a pretty decent crowd but overall compared to what we've seen in your past where kentucky fans have come in here and filled the stadium blue i don't think louisville fans did that on saturday and i don't think that anybody expected them to but, what, but who did go are people like you right and the families of people who uh, or, you know, they've got their sons on the team or their family, whatever the case is, or they're, you know, people who went wanted to be there, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. People like me. No, thank you. I don't go what, there because I. What did the stadium look like overall? I couldn't really blue. get a gauge. No, I mean, it was like, there's a lot was of there, were there holes. Was it spotty or was I don't it know. Up? It's funny. I saw one of the pictures that Presley I'd say it was like and I was like 75 full to me, like at least 80 percent full, like yeah, by, but, yeah. by like first first quarter. Yeah, I guess I guess my point was. The 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 crowd was was relatively trash for a UK U of L game, like yes. like as far as just like it was not loud. There was not like I was at the Mississippi State game earlier this year, and that was much louder than the UK U of L game, one hundred percent. Yeah, people were there because it was the Louisville game, but at the same time, those who weren't are much like Louisville fans this year. It's a six-win football team. I don't need to go to the game. I'm not supporting whatever the case is, or, I, you know, I'm just going to sit this one out. It's cold. Whatever the case is to justify Kentucky. If that was a if that was a nine-win Kentucky team going for number 10, that place would have been popping. But they had six wins going into it. They just lost to Vanderbilt, and, and you know, I forget at this point who else they had lost to, but other schools – um, that they, they, you know, the Georgia game was close, whatever, but still they lost. They're, they're sitting there with, at six and five, and most of the fans are like, eh, whatever, it's basketball season. We got an undefeated team or, a, you know, a top 10 team. I know they're not undefeated anymore, uh, but, you know, a top 10 team, we're just going to cheer them on and watch the football game from home. Um, but it also, here's the thing, though. This is kind of what's frustrating, and I guess I could point the finger at myself um, and not not be that guy that's, that's shaming everyone else because I clearly didn't make the trip to Lexington, but – in these games uh, over the last couple of years, when Louisville has been down on their their you know their record or not where they should have been, and Louisville fans don't want to go to the Kentucky game at home, who does go to the the Louisville Kentucky game when it's at Cardinal Stadium? The Kentucky fans do. They go to yep. that game, and Louisville mm-hmm. fans didn't really have any interest or take pride in going to this game because I feel like a lot of them either felt like Louisville was going to lose 
and it wasn't worth it. Or uh, like me, they just say, I don't like going to that game because it's not an atmosphere that I enjoy. Like I, I you know, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a little whiny baby, but I'm just not a, a fan of being around Kentucky fans at all at in any no. given point in my life. No, I, and even I, at I, work, I don't, and I don't fault you for much. that. I mean, it, it's not like, Anytime I pass through Lexington or have to go to Lexington for any regard, I mean, I don't feel warm. I don't feel warm and fuzzy when I go there. And it's, it's, I don't even go there with the intent on or with the mindset of like Kentucky fans are going to go after me because I'm wearing a UL shirt or any of that nature. I just don't like being there. Whenever I'd go and stay with uh, my boys that were in the fraternities there that went to uh, college there. I would show up with all my Louisville stuff on and from head to toe. Like I just came out of, As and they'd should. be like, really, man, yeah. You're, really. But I also feel like if anybody stepped to you, you'd be like, what the hell's your problem? You got one. No. And then they'd leave and you'd be fine. Right. But me, I'd be you like, know what was funny about the day was, uh, Presley, you, you, I think this is in the car. Whenever, uh, you and I had to break the news to Emmy that Kentucky didn't have chair backs. Oh, what a disappointment! She was like, oh, good thing you didn't tell her that before you left. Because I know that's what she was saying. She was like, I don't know if I would have went if I didn't know that they. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. No, I mean, yeah, that's what I told her. I, I, I guess maybe that was my fault. We were in the parking lot just chatting it up, and I was like, yeah, I mean, the stadium kind of sucks. She's like, yeah, but you know, I'll just be sitting. It's whatever. I was like, no, you don't understand. It's all concrete and metal. That's it. Like the, the whole stadium is concrete and metal. There's only two, there's only two textures that you will feel for four hours. It's concrete and metal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a good way uh, of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. But before we wrap this up, cause I feel like it's the, the conversation is not getting as intense as, as we, we thought it would get Matt press box food better, better than, than U of L or worse. Much worse. Like the spread uh. was not nearly as good as it is at Louisville. What'd you get? Surprise coming from the there was, SEC. Yeah, I know. There was Caesar salad, some pork chops, and I will say the cornbread was good, but that was literally it. Just those three things. You didn't, Anybody you didn't go for the pork chop? The pork, the pork chops chop? were okay. Was it good? They had barbecue sauce or were they seasoned? They had some barbecue sauce, but it was eh, yeah, eh. just kind of plain. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 you got some skyline, Matt. Yeah, yeah right. Was, With the commoners, Matt. I, va- I value my body. <laughs> I do All right, everybody's a temple. That's a great segue <laughs> into actually talking about what happened on the field instead of what these th- this group of four got into on Saturday, which was a whole bunch of boring. I thought that was going to be great. I don't know why I thought Presley yeah. would start to brawl in the stands. There'd be a video that you have or something. Just no, no we wow. have jobs and lives. <laughs> That's right. Kentucky guys. Yeah, I was going to say serious. I'm not going to risk my life. I'm going to talk some shit. Apparently, I mean now, now Jacob. I know people have taken. Uh, um, offense to to some of the stuff that i've said and think that i'm going to come to their house and fight them which is so silly like there's a difference sorry mom there's a difference between me saying fuck uk and and i want to fuck your wife like there's a (laughs) there's a huge difference and a lot of people cross that line but i'll say fuk forever and uh yeah 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 that's right yeah, um, <laughs> I told Presley we should just show that to you that. and see what happens. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I thought. But anyway, yeah, let's yeah. let's get this this train back on the on the tracks here. Let's talk about the football game on Saturday. Louisville loses uh, 13-26, get doubled up. But hey, you keep them underneath that thirty mark, I guess, which has been uh, the bugaboo the last couple of years. I think they they mm-hmm. scored forty in twenty nineteen and fifty or something in in twenty eighteen or something like that. I've got my numbers all jumbled. Yeah, what, up, but what it's been a lot. The, what happened to the people that were like, oh? 
I'll be happy if we can keep it under 30. But we did. We did. Nobody kept, kept them under 30. <laughs> yeah, but there's definitely a lot to get into with this game. Just some general statistics. Uh, Louisville uh, outdone in the passing game. Will Levis goes for 188 yards, two touchdowns. Louisville combines between their two quarterbacks. So he goes 17 of 27 for 145 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, a star is born. He's continuing to just shine and shine and shine to the point that I am fairly confident uh, with some of the roster moves that Jawar Jordan will be the starting running back for Louisville football next year. 22 carries in this one, 145 yards. Uh, they just kept feeding him and feeding him and had the passing game just been a little bit better. I think Louisville wins this game. It, it, it comes down a lot to, to what they didn't do through the air. Kentucky, on the other hand, 158 yards rushing behind Chris Rodriguez. Um, uh, from a passing standpoint, uh, they get a touchdown from Barry on Brown and Dane Key. We talked a lot about them last week. We'll get into some of that uh, again here in Right and Wrong. Tyler Hudson goes over 1,000 yards on the season. He catches six for 83 and uh, a touchdown. I believe he finished with 69 receptions on the season. That's pretty damn nice. That's pretty damn nice. 69 <laughs> yards, 69 receptions and over 1,000 yards. Kudos Jeez. to him. Uh, but overall in this game, it's it's just not being able to overcome – uh, stop not getting stops on first and second down. I think it, it quite frankly, it comes down to that in a lot of ways, but uh, let's, let's move into right or wrong and we'll do an abbreviated version of this. No Matt McGavick on this one this week uh, as Matt was not on the show. Uh, Matt was wrong with his prediction though. If I'm not mistaken, you picked Louisville Matt. So uh, we'll I get did. it started right there. As far as prediction goes, we were all wrong. Yeah. I was about to say we're all wrong on that one. Don't single me out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but that's the only thing I have here on my list of, of Matt because you weren't on the show last week. You, you chose to watch a basketball game, which I mean, yeah, that, that was a, a very yeah, poor decision. Yeah, on that, my Matt behalf. got it wrong. Yeah. He chose that over. I got it wrong. I chose yeah. to watch basketball. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Where I got it wrong starting off, I started with the UK segment last week. Actually, I went into the UK segment teasing that we were going to come back and talk about how Louisville was going to kick their ass. Uh, I said, I feel comfortable. I feel confident. Um, Saturday, that leaked out pretty quickly. I will say, Presley, kudos to you, man. This dude, Louisville's down 12 in the final minute, and he's like, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. That that's the kind of fandom we all need right there because I I just early on I'm I like mean, in all know, reality, about a half time and get better. It's just not happening. It, I I mean talking to Presley at the game. I mean that's the mindset that I mean they have on the headset whenever they're going. I mean even if there's two minutes left in the game, it's yeah. oh, oh we'll yeah, score right here on this play right here on side. Yeah. We'll get that for sure, and then we'll go and we'll score. Yeah, it's like that simple, but obviously you know. Yeah, for sure. Where Vince got it right last week, you said Vince. They play to their opponent a lot of times. Talking about Kentucky, I just that to me showed uh, in a number of different ways that Kentucky just simply came into this game with the mindset of we are not losing. I don't care what we've done for the rest of 11 weeks of this season, this game today, we're not losing it. We are better than them. We're bigger. We're stronger. We're more physical than them. Um, and in weeks past, we talked about it, Vanderbilt, Missouri, um, you know, they did play up to Georgia by only holding them to 16 points, but Louisville uh, or Kentucky historically Vince on the season has played up or down to who they are playing against. And I feel like they got up more than Louisville did for this game. Uh, and you got it right. You called that one. Kudos to you, brother. Uh, where Presley started last week. We'll start with where Presley got it wrong. Uh, he said, Kentucky, and it's not that you were wrong. A lot of these, you, you can't be wrong when you're using data to make an argument. But when we're on the other side of it, you can say that that person was wrong. But Presley said, Kentucky is as bad as it gets, allowing their quarterbacks to get sacked. 
And Louisville is as good as it gets at sacking the quarterback. I felt like this game, and Vince, you'll, I'm sure you'll highlight this, uh, some in, uh, in, in or, uh, Vince's game notes, but I felt Louisville over-pursued in a lot of ways defensively. I felt like a lot like I did against Boston College, and I said this last week, Louisville cannot chase sacks. They have to let it come to them and play naturally. And when they did get those sacks, it looked natural. But otherwise, you saw, you know, a lot of defensive ends going really wide or going uh, taking a bad angle on a quarterback. Uh, but overall, Kentucky blocked. They blocked their asses off. They had their best game of the season. Uh, where Presley got it right. He said Kentucky thrives on running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, then throwing up some bullshit to their receivers who bring it down. Uh, that felt pretty accurate on Saturday. Now they did set up a lot of stuff with the tight ends, obviously the first play, the first drive of the game, the 70 yard or whatever it was. Uh, but overall, what I said uh, that you could say was right last week, fellas, was I said that uh, Will Levis is not going to be the one that beats you, right? He's not going to make the play that beats you. He's going to get the ball to somebody else who's going to make the play to beat you. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did last week. Um, we'll go back up to me where I got it right. I said, talking about uh, Kentucky, uh, and I really have it on two different spots here. I said, they're going to come out hungry. Kentucky is going to show up still. Defensively for Louisville, you can't rest on your laurels. You have to be aggressive, have to play sound football, have to be emotionally together, have to be prepared for the BS they're going to send your way, the hands to the face or the late pull down to the ground. I felt like Louisville just fell right into it. It's year in and year out. Like Vince, help me just quickly. What's that conversation like with the ball coach and the team of guys? They're going to try to fight. They're going to try to pull and pull. like, how do you get these guys who are built to be aggressive and built to fight back to not fight back in a moment like that, where it's going to cost you. Cause I don't know if you all saw it on the field. Jarvis Brownlee almost went down at halftime swinging on somebody. Oh, they yeah. got him at oh, the yeah. last second. Ooh, yeah. It was about to, to be uh, a full name? on coach, brawl. Uh, coach Souders. Coach Souders saved yeah. him. Ooh. It was about to be a brawl, man. Uh, you saw it coming for a long time, but, oh, but how, how do the coaches kind of instill I mean, that in you without being soft? Normal, uh, I mean, you're not even soft about it. It shows in your maturity of a team and your maturity as an athlete uh, that, you know, I can be aggressive up until a certain point. And as soon as they blow that whistle, it's off because every football coach across this country will tell you one thing. And that is that the second man always gets caught always. every single time. You mm -hmm. can be the first guy to do whatever, which in that case, Brownlee wasn't even the first guy to do something. So he was coming around to swing and throw a haymaker. What do you know? They're not going to throw that first one. They would have thrown something on Brownlee swinging on somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's a very casual conversation. You just, I mean, it'll probably happen between in position groups because it's a little bit more like, hey, Jacob, like they're going to be trying to grab your face mask and throw you on the ground after the play and do some extra bullshit. So, yeah. you know, be ready for that. You know, the crowd's going to be feeding into it too. So, you know, be ready for that and just walk away because 15 yards isn't worth blah, blah, blah. Right. Exactly. And and I just, it, it, the thing that's really frustrating is that's a, that's like a common thought, right. Or a common way of thinking is that's just, a, you gotta, you gotta coach it not to fall into it, but yet Louisville fans are on Twitter calling Louisville soft for, for falling into it or for, you know, Satterfield that's for not why, encouraging that. Type that's of why stuff. people are like uh, fans and people whenever they're like, Oh, they're not fighting at practice and blah, blah, blah. They're not fighting. Like you don't want people fighting at practice. That's why coaches stop fights at practice. Mm -hmm. It's for that exact reason. So you're almost, you're not practicing it. I mean, you're not practicing those instances, but it is a good practice moment of, you know, say Brownlee did hit somebody late in practice or did some BS, threw a punch at somebody during practice where, you know, you ain't going to get 15 yards, but you're going to be running 300s or whatever. Yeah. You got some <laughs> so, kind of punishment. That's I mean, for sure. there's, there's a way. 
All right, back to right and wrong where Vince got it right, talked about Chris Rodriguez. He said that's the strong suit of their team. We saw that in real time. I mean, it was just – it was the Marshawn Lynch over and over and over. It like, they were just going to keep doing it. And then eventually – I mean, at some point in the fourth quarter, they called out on the broadcast. Louisville just had everybody in the box. Like, they're just like, fuck it. Whatever. They're not doing anything else. Let's just load all 11 guys right here. We'll just figure it out later. Uh, so, kudos to Kentucky, man. They 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 played their cards, uh, no pun intended, right there in terms of – kind of leading on their their uh cow their cowbell bell bell cow what's the saying do i have bell cow. cow yeah bell cow yeah do we know where that comes from what's the meaning behind that i don't is that is that a the I'm cow in the front has a bell right now <laughs> that's a good one we'll come back to you on that one matt uh let's see where presley got it uh where presley got it right <laughs> this is this is great Jarvis Brownlee has been getting cooked. That's what he said. Just quoted it. I said earlier in the show, uh, they're going to try and get Jarvis Brownlee on their star receiver. Every single team says, let's go at 12. Let's go at 12. Uh, and in the second half, Kentucky said, hey, there's a new 12. He's number two. Let's go at him. And sure enough, third and five, when Louisville was on the verge of getting a stop, they throw us, uh, I don't know what you call the route, uh, but a comeback route of some kind. Challenge Johnson whiffs. Uh, as bad as you can whiff on a tackle. And they go for 15 and a first down and uh, eventually seal the game. So, you know, Jarvis Brownlee got to be better. Hopefully we'll see next year. We'll talk about this here in a few minutes, but Jarvis Brownlee is going to be a focal point of Louisville's defense next year as the starting corner. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Let's see here where Presley got it or where Vince got it wrong. He said, if you don't think those coaches talking about Missouri and Vanderbilt's um, head coaches and assistant coaches are going to be talking to Louisville about how to beat Kentucky because no one likes Kentucky, then you're crazy. I mean, there were, we just couldn't do it. I'm <laughs> just curious to know what what advice uh, Sat got from Coach Drinkowitz in Missouri that that helped them in this game. That'd be one I'd I'd be curious to. Uh, 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 yeah, I don't have anything for you on that one, man. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, I always call Drink fucking uh, great value set. Right, you're not <laughs> wrong there. Where Presley said. Uh, where Presley got it right, he said it's a rivalry game. Things that haven't happened all year will happen. I think that that is another kind of portion of this game where Kentucky all year, the numbers show you they're not going to wreak havoc on defense. JJ Weaver only had two and a half sacks. They don't get picks. Sure. The hell not. They did all of it. Now that wraps up right and wrong this week. I really enjoy it. Just the football talk here uh, is, is definitely one of the highlights of my week. Uh, and speaking of one of the highlights of my week, now we transition into, into uh, segment number two here on the show. Vince's game notes where Vince is going to tell us what happened on the field. Mr. Lacoco, break it down for us. What'd you see? It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. Uh, saw a whole lot of blue. No, okay. And that uh, concludes Vince's honestly, game notes. <laughs> that, yep. We'll see you next year. Yeah, I actually blacked out. Don't remember a thing. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Kidding. Completely kidding. Hey, well, but, uh, did you drink more because they didn't serve beer? Is that a thing? Do you feel like no, you had to? Consume? I actually no? didn't. I just drank a normal amount of beer, went into the game, and yeah. Was disappointed. Kudos. But, okay, uh, kudos you. All right, what, what we got? For me, I have it written down just real big and bold. It kind of came down to that with me for the defense, which was stopping big plays. It felt like there was a lot of plays that uh, was either somebody not fitting right or uh, somebody pursuing wrong. Like Jacob said, there was a lot of over pursuing that was going. Glad on. to uh, glad to hear you say that because I, I, you know, my football is sometimes like whatever. I just maybe I didn't. Well, see there was that. a lot of over and under pursuing, so a lot of the under pursuing came on those. Uh, 
routes where they're trying to turn it upfield and it's just not a good angle for us. Uh, one thing that stuck out uh, stood out for me, you know, Brock's turnover. We had highlighted, we had talked about JJ on the show prior, and we knew he was going to come up and make a play for Kentucky. And of course, it's a turnover strip sack on Brock. Uh, that play, I don't know why Brock didn't throw it away. That's QB football 101 of, hey, pressure, pressure. I, I mean, I would have took the penalty. Anybody would have took the penalty. I mean, you're just putting your defense in a terrible position right there. Uh, what else was going on in that game? What about Brock's eyes? What was Brock not seeing in the first half? Because a lot, a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's hard to great analysis. It's, it's hard to. In my opinion, we never should have went with a different quarterback. I, you're never going to get a good situation or outcome whenever uh, you roll into the game not knowing who your starting quarterback really is. I don't know if Malik practiced all week. I don't know what the situation was with that. But if you're going to go with Brock, then stick with Brock. If you're going to go with Malik, then stick with Malik. Because at that point, you're just messing with the kid's confidence. Yeah, Especially the kid. You, you've been around Malik for three years now. You know how what kind of kid and what how he's going to respond to being benched, especially being a three-year starter. So why even put that in a situation to a kid that just had to sit out senior day? Yeah, I think that's Seth fumbled was, the bag on that one, man. I really do. And he's trying what, to play the advantage card if you don't know what quarterback I'm going to play. And he, yeah. I think he's. I, I obviously don't know what goes behind the scenes, but I think he just. And 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 plus, I'm I'm just curious. Maybe we didn't catch it the first time against Virginia. But the red flag started to appear in that NC State game when there were a few plays where there were open men and Brock just completely either ignored them or didn't see them. And we thought, okay, Brock did a good job of managing this game, but there's some stuff to clean up there in terms of, you know, going through his not even just going through his reads, just having the overall vision for the field. And I always said I always said that it was like Evan Conley. As soon as teams got film on Evan Conley, it was game over. He wasn't good enough at this level to play yep. like that. And I think the film was out on Brock Doman. I really do. It was well, bound to catch up. And, and the thing, the bad one, I mean, that's just that all y'all can think of. Presley, I remember talking about it with you on the car ride back at the game. Uh, was in the first quarter where he missed Marshawn. I mean, it was a dig route run, ran by Marshawn. But as I was comparing to Presley in the car, it was a lot like Dez in 2020 whenever he scored on that curl-flats combination, which is a locked curl on the outside. Like, Dez has to run a curl there, but he beat his man on a go- on, on the route, so he just kept taking it all the way, and Malik hit him. Uh, you know, I wish Marshawn would have did something along that lines with that dig and just keep fading back into the end zone. Now, just keep so, running your route, but look back so Brock can see your eyes and see that you're – I'm not cutting and I'm not turning in. So, to kind of explain <clears throat> explain the play, at least from my perspective, Marshawn was lined up in the slot, so he wasn't lined up as a tight end necessarily. And he's making – a uh, essentially, he's running about, what, 20 yards upfield and then kind of cutting across the field? Yeah, it's like 12 to 15. Okay. And so, he gets about 12 to 15, and there's nobody within – 15 yards of him yeah well even on the straight go presley before he makes the break there's nobody right so no nobody picks up marshawn and the play design clearly is for marshawn to run into the middle of the field but what that meant was running into the teeth of the defense and it's little things like that 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 cost Louisville the game because instead of marshawn just stopping 15 yards into his route and turning around and just 
waiting for the ball, like which he could have and, and waited two to three seconds and still ha- had a wide open completion or continuing to run his route. And, you know, I mean, I would say they're like on the 40 yard line. Something yeah. Like that. And when, when people say he made a football play, that's what they're talking about whenever like he's not he's playing within the playbook. Right. So, I mean, you're doing your job, but at the same time, like, go make a play. Don't be a robot. Uh, yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, there were, there were a few of those. I'm sure you're going to point more, point more of those I'm, out. But yeah. Uh, for me, guys, on the, our, our first t- touchdown, first touchdown, and I had a problem with Seth's play con this entire game. And obviously in the red zone, whenever we got in that area too, uh, it wasn't a good play by play call by him in the red zone. It was just the fortunate luck of us having Malik Cunningham again on our team and him just going out there and making a play. That run was I mean, sexy. It was sexy and sexy looks good, but I mean, like it was we it there was so many easier ways to score. So throw it to easier. Isaac, man. That's what I was hoping. Yeah, throw, throw, throw <laughs> it to Isaac. Uh can I can no, real quick, hold on, real quick, just real quick. Can I tell you that every single game this year, we have a picture of Isaac Martin celebrating in the end zone harder than the guy that scored the touchdown. I, I'm going to go back and post all 12 of them, or I guess it'd be all set, all eight of them from when we had, you know, official photography. Isaac loves to celebrate other people. And I'm here for that, man. That is, that is a real bro right there. <laughs> well, I mean, not to bring us down, uh, sticking with Malik, uh, that interception, guys, was a mm. terrible, terrible, mm. terrible, terrible throw. Triple coverage. I, was it triple? I thought I no, always it was triple. double. Was triple. it triple? It was triple. Safety over? Yeah. Uh, did you guys see the back in the flats? Wide I don't open, remember seeing Right there that. for no. a check down. It, I mean, all he had to do, it was a swing route. He could have dumped it right there to the back, and the back had about 10, yeah. 10 yards. Nobody yeah. in front of him. It, 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 uh, it, go back and watch that play. I encourage everybody to do that because it will make you want to vomit. Like Can I tell struggling. you that that's the worst way to end Malik Cunningham's career here? Like well, that you interception. Still got one more. You still got the bowl game, and you can make a lot we'll of memories see. in the bowl game. But we'll the UK, see. you vote. I don't know, man. What we'll do you see. mean? We'll I don't see. know if he'll have play. to play in the bowl game. Why? Why? See, that's having this conversation earlier. Why? Why is he going to play? Why would he not? Because he literally gets hurt every time he steps on the field. At this point, man, like he still at has... this point, if I'm him, I I I I understand. Go the out need there to for draft or you that's, ruin your professional career. I mean, that's that's what you have to balance right there with yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, that interception was – I don't want to say I thought the game was over at that point, but it certainly, it certainly started to leak the confidence more so. Because I've told you guys, each week for the last month, this t- and I told you I even had the numbers last week, Matt. You weren't here for this, but I, I we talked about and you and I have talked about this in years past. Satterfield has always had a thousand yard rusher. Always, he didn't have one this year. It's the first time he's not had one since they joined. The, had a thousand yard receiver. <laughs> that's right. Satterfield never did that. He's had two since he's been at Louisville. But at the same time, they threw what was it, eleven touchdowns, twelve touchdowns, and they threw. I mean, I forget what the, the exact numbers are. They're so bad to the point that this team had to evolve to be what we talked about. Lean on your defense run the football, let your passing game flow out of that. Um, with the passing offense not being what it was in this game, there was no chance of winning. They weren't even yeah. average passing the football. They weren't even average. And, and mm-hmm. I think with you insert a kid like Pierce, you insert a kid like Caleb, uh, you know, I think we can eventually start to push the ball downfield more. Uh, the one thing that really bothered me, and I'll get off on my – 
you know, Vince's game notes because everything really for me came down to like big plays, stopping big mm. plays and with stupid throws, stupid. Pl- I mean, guys not having the eyes in the right spot or not fitting gaps, right? Over pursuing just was not a good game. But the thing that bothered me a lot with Coach Set in this game, and, you know, it's kind of been, I'm not going to say, you know, his big go to and he does it all the time, but I really felt that this game where he was playing with all four downs, it was. You know, I'm cool running. I'm cool running it on third. It, this is where I really felt it for whatever reason. It, it, I'm cool running on third to play for fourth down for a fourth and two to try and get it on that. And against a team like Kentucky, you can't do that. You you just can't because eventually it's going to nip you in the ass. I mean, you you might be able to get one or two, but that it's going to bite you in the ass. And that's I what mean, bothered me a lot about this game. There was a lot of fourth downs that we were going for. So yes. Uh, that was a, a great, great addition of, of Vince's game notes. A couple of uh, addendums that I want to add on. Let's talk about the fake, the fake, fake play. That's my favorite play. Maybe one of my favorite plays of the season. The uh, fake reverse? The fake reverse to Braden Smith to oh, the tight what? end screen, I mean, dude. That is as that sexy as it fucking gets right there, man. That is like all off season. I got, I started, I told you all, I started to get these these random tweets in my timeline of all these, these formations and plays of BYU and Oklahoma state, just all like you can tell I'm consuming college football content. That play is going to show up in that this summer. It, or in the, like that play was freaking sexy. Like that is sat walking out in Victoria's secret right there with that play calling, man. Like that was <laughs> dude. That if we got that throughout the entire game, I did not need that visual. <laughs> it's a completely different game. But I, I didn't, I personally like, Man, it, it felt like for me, down the offense. It felt like the offense was putting the defense in just shitty situations. No, over, over our defense it it felt not. like that all year. Honestly. I didn't. I did not think the defense did as bad as people were giving them shit for. I, although I no. did point out a lot of bad things that yeah. the defense just did. I. I. I mean, the, this game could have been way worse. It, it could have I mean, been. Oh, yeah, not, I mean, everybody been. remembers last year in 2019. Like those were not fun games to be a part of by any means. Yeah, this one yeah. at least if, we were fighting and competing, and the line of scrimmage wasn't completely dominated by Kentucky. You saw us fighting at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I don't know. Go ahead, man. Yeah, and, uh, if, and if it wasn't Louisville... the line of scrimmage. Hold on, real quick, man. It wasn't the line of scrimmage so much uh, because I made that mistake. I thought Louisville was getting dominated at the line of scrimmage, but when you go back and you watch, Brock Doman had all day to throw. He just wasn't finding anyone. Just it's the wasn't... separation with the receivers that's the issue all season long. That's the issue all season long. The, the most frustrating part was that this was a very winnable game and had Louisville just been average passing the ball, had they been average passing the ball, had they cut out one of those two awful turnovers inside their own 20 or at least gotten at least one takeaway on defense, this is like probably a one-score game at the end, maybe one that Louisville ends up pulling out because of how well they were able to run the ball and how well the defense performed. I mean, they had every opportunity. This game did not feel like a 13-point game. They should have gotten waxed by like 25. But if they just shored up a couple things, that that was the difference between winning and losing. And honestly, Heading into halftime, getting that touchdown that on their final drive, they had momentum, and that all that momentum and goodwill that they bought up over that second quarter went out the window. First play of the second half on that long sack, and from there it's just, yep, this is not going well. Like the game was, the game was right there. It was the most winnable Kentucky game since Satterfield's gotten there. 
Mm-hmm. It was a golden opportunity, and they squandered it. There's there's no way to put it. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna moral victory this one. Like, yes, in if you look at the scoreboard, it was the lowest, the slightest smart the slightest one I'm trying to say, the smallest, excuse me, margin of defeat since Satterfield got there. Sure, uh, you can say that the gap is closing, but I'm not gonna play the moral victory card here. This was a game that they should have won, period. It's and it's not the coaching in this game. Besides uh, Sats play calling, it could have been better. But in this game, it, it comes down to just a few simple things. Chandler Jones whiffing on third down and five when they are God, they are absolutely right there for a stop. Kendrick Duncan had a sack at one point in the first half, and he was just pulling on the jersey of Will Levis and couldn't get him down. Um, you had drops. You had you know, guys. Call was big too. Yeah, I mean, there was a number of different things in this game where it's it's just a guy in that moment not executed. How about the first play, the first drive of the game where Josh was it Josh Cadis or whatever the tight end goes seventy yards? Yeah, yeah, that's what they did. That's what Louisville's big bugaboo was at any point in this year. It's like every little thing that Louisville could have done wrong that they've done wrong throughout the year. It's like Salt Bay was on top of Commonwealth Stadium just sprinkling in a little bit. Like it was just oh, you want to misplay, miss tackle here, we got you. You want to have a guy whiff on third down and five when you're in, in a spot to get the ball back and have your offense drive. Here, we'll sprinkle a little bit of that too. It was every bit of lack of execution that you could have. And uh, and Preston, I'll come to you and see what your thoughts are on this. But my thing is, why? Why now? Why now? They've been doing for weeks. They've been making those plays. Why in this game? Why all of a sudden are they whiffing? Why all of a sudden are they not reading the tight end on, on a, what is it that this team cannot buckle in for this game? Because it's driving everyone in this city freaking wild. Like, what is it, man? I just don't understand anymore. I mean, <clears throat> to Matt's point, uh, going into halftime in the stadium, I think that Louisville fans were very, very confident. I think that that the the vibe was, okay, that was about the worst half of football you could have possibly played, and you're only down by six points at halftime. Like, that's about <clears throat> all you could hope for uh, in, that, in that circumstance. Um, but I think the reality was I think it is kind of a mental block at this point. Because all of the improvements that you saw them make, uh, you know, we point out the Boston College game as that kind of, you know, come to Jesus moment where they really turned it around. And, and, and a lot of that had to do with eliminating the big plays. We talk about that week in and week out. Uh, but also it was just the, the defense and the offense were finally kind of playing off of each other, each other better. And that's exactly what they did not do against Kentucky. Um, when you think about situational football, right, there's there's two places that you really don't want to turn the ball over, and that's inside your own 20 and inside of their 20. And that's what Louisville did. And it's like, you know, Brock Doman is, is a veteran quarterback that's played for four different schools. Malik Cunningham is a six-year quarterback. And, and yet against one of the more just pedestrian defenses that they were going to face all year, uh, they just made bad decision after bad decision in untimely decisions. Like, as, as you said, Vince, on the, on the fumble that, you know, went down to Uvell's three, um, you just – you can't have that. Like, that's got to be a throwaway. Punt the ball away. You have a good defense. Live to fight another day. Uh, the same with Malik, you know, throwing into triple coverage. Like, right there, that's 10 points that Uvell gave up. Um, and, and, again, for, from the very first game of the season – I remember writing, you know, the Syracuse game, it sucked. They lost 34 to seven, but the reality was that they allowed Syracuse to just start drives inside their own 30, inside their own 20, inside their own 10. 
It's like, at what point do you not understand that that's not on the defense, that's on the offense? And the defense did their part. Louisville we'll turned the ball over multiple yeah, times. Straight field goals. And there were three be- and outs or forced, like, you know, maybe four plays. And a damn kicker goal. was the MVP of the game. Yeah, he hasn't kicked this damn thing all freaking year, dude. Right. It's like and, a Virginia basketball player showing up who's played five minutes all year and dropping 27. And, and you know that like, was Louisville's mm-hmm. strategy in a sense, right? Was, okay, if we if we just hold in the field goal dude, attempts, they're, kick. they're probably not going to make them. <laughs> and, I mean, he had the game of his life, which is hysterical, because dude. he did against Chuvo last year, too. I don't know if you remember, he made three or four last year that were pretty solid. And isn't there an actor pretty, named Mark Ruffalo? Isn't that, isn't there his a name? Person? Okay. This, the kicker's name is Matt Ruffalo. Matt Ruffalo. Matt Ruffalo. Okay. Mark Ruffalo's the Hulk. That's right. Yeah. That's and he's right. also Are they related. In, uh, he's also in uh, 13 going on 30. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so, you know, oh, yeah, little, little romance cool. movie reference here. I like that, man. Oh, that's, that's a great cool. movie. You know, she, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, the corny kid. And then she like, you know, hits her head and all of a sudden she thinks she's 13. The one where he kicks all the balls and beats our team. Yeah. That's yes. It. How, that, about, <laughs> how about this though? Let me ask the group this, uh, because we, I think all year we've talked about depth being a strength for Louisville. How much in this game did depth come back to bite Louisville because it running back, you're down three backs. You had five backs at one point this year. Trevion Cooley, Jalen Mitchell, who have both transferred. We'll talk about that here momentarily. Uh, and then you're out Tyon Evans, who does not appear to uh, be interested in coming back for another year, likely headed towards the NFL draft. So you're left with Jawar Jordan and Mo Turner. They did good. I'm all for that. They did great, but there's no one else behind them. Grant Goodman is the only other running back on the roster. I would, I would, no one here knows who that is. Maybe Vince knows who that is. Uh, but besides that, because right, he's, no he's a white walk on, he's a white walk on. That's it. Yeah. And then on the defensive Jesus. side of the ball, you're out Jermaine Lole, who they haven't had all year. Not a big deal. But then you're also out Jared, uh, Jared Dawson. Caleb Banks didn't play. We now know he's transferred. We'll talk about that momentarily. Um, so you're left with just Des Tell um, and Tafik Thomas to, to kudos to. Look, look here, Vince's game notes. Go back and watch the film. Their center yeah. was freaking working our nose tackles. Yeah. Like execution at its finest. Go back and watch the running game of the, of the Kentucky offense. They were manhandling our nose tackles all game long. They did it all yeah. game long. Okay, one position. But what, what about depth? Yeah. That's my point. What, was the depth an issue for Louisville here? Do you take that into consideration? I, I mean, yeah. I think it was only an issue because there were so many injuries and disappearances for the best way to put it i mean because death death has yeah true because death has been a strength of the defense this year and it it showed up in this game an offense they were just so snake bitten with injuries and inconsistencies and underperformance that just well it is what it is my my thing is is if tyon with tyon i'm very confused i mean i in my i i think he's hurt I don't know. There's no possible way that he thinks after being hurt as much as he was here, hurt as much as he was at Tennessee, being at three different universities mm-hmm. and clearly showing that you're not that committed to football by stepping away one game early from your team, that he thinks he's going to go to the NFL and have some success. It doesn't make sense. Somebody needs to get in his ear. Yeah. And I think the game's different if Tyon Evans plays. I, yes, one hundred percent. Another battering ram to just continue your offense. He's an SEC back, man. Louisville ran the football 
Uh, 37 times for 164 yards. Now, I mean, those numbers aren't great, but also consider the fact that Brock Doman has three rushes for negative 18 yards on that. Uh, Malik Cunningham, five rushes for four yards. So your quarterbacks really went the wrong way in this one. Um, and that's just one of many problems, but, uh, overall to put a bow on this, um, it, it, you know, we're not in the game of, of moral victories, but Louisville won. you know, people keep asking about Satterfield. These, these dudes would just die for Scott Satterfield. They will, they have not quit once and they are not ever going to quit. And I think you're starting to see the foundation of culture really laid at the point now to where it's about winning football games. And yeah, in this game, they didn't win. Um, and I'm not going to make excuses. It, it was they got manhandled in some certain instances. They didn't read the, the the field well. They they did not execute well. But if you look at those two teams and you don't think that Scott Satterfield and Louisville was closer overall than where they've been in the last couple of years, you're watching the wrong game and you never wanted him to succeed in the first place. So, it, you know, in a season where you win with you, you finish with seven wins. Um, you know, it has felt like baby steps at times. And in this instance, that's what it is for Louisville real quickly sack update, because what would this show be without a sack update? Uh, Louisville finishes, uh, the game here against Kentucky with just two sacks, six, six tackles for loss. Um, but overall in the sack race guys, it's heated up. It's, it's heated up. The whole game is going to be interesting. Assuming that Yasir Abdullah plays in that game, we're going to find out. Uh, but overall you've got Yasir Abdullah at eight sacks. Yaya Diaby at seven and a half sacks, fellas. We've got ourselves a race in the final game to see who is going to win the sack race. Are you going to give one of them a trophy? I don't know. I feel like the sack champion needs to be a new award category in the saddies. I feel like and I keep saying like what we're going to name it. It's clear we've named it the saddies. That's the thing now. It is the saddies. Uh, so we will we'll definitely hand out the sack award. I feel like that's a good category. There's a, there's a joke there to be made, but I'm just going to leave it alone. Ashton Gelati also gets a sack. He's got his total now real quick. Let me go back to my notes. Ashton Gelati, six and a half. Nope, that's six and a half tackles for loss. Ashton Gelati has six sacks. So overall, you got eight, seven and a half and six. Not bad for the top three. Ashton returns next year as the top sack hitter. Going to be really interesting to see what happens there. And then finally, just real quickly, successful season unsuccessful season okay matt you put out the poll today i don't have the updated numbers but i'm pretty sure it was mostly unsuccessful knowing our fan base so maybe i'm not right there was it people viewed this as a successful i checked it about 20 minutes ago there were just a smidge over 1500 votes and it was an 80 20 favor and in favor of successful interesting all right matt what are you at has elon musk got you that damn blue check mark yet matt's paying for twitter I'm not. Just, I am yeah, not just fucking kidding. paying. I'm, I'm kidding. not. Paying Matt is going to quit Twitter. the show over more, that comment. Alone. I got. I got more pride than that. Come on now. So successful or unsuccessful? It's successful, but disappointing because okay. I mean, you. Yes, this 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 game and its result hurts. It stings. Mm-hmm. There's no bones about it. But you can't deny the growth that this team had since the Boston college game, how dominant the defense was, had the strides that this, this team took. I mean, who would about a month and a half ago, would you guys have thought that they would be no. even bowl eligible, no. much less at seven and five to end the regular season? No. I sure as hell didn't. I thought we'd probably be looking at Satterfield being fired by now, but here we are a winning record could go for an, an eight win season in the bowl game. I mean, I think it's a successful season. I wish it would have ended with a win against Kentucky, considering the opportunity was there. 
But considering how it started and how the team got better along the way, I think it is a successful season, even even with the loss to Kentucky. Lacoco, what do you got? I, I think it was a successful season. Everybody considered this, whenever he came into this job, a two- to three-year rebuild. In 2019, whenever he showed up, we were very fortunate to have a first-round draft pick offensive tackle in Mekhi Becton and uh, essentially a first-round draft pick in Tutu Atwell as well, as well as Desmond Patrick, Javian Hawkins, Dorian mm-hmm. Etheridge, plethora mm-hmm. of guys that have that are still on an NFL roster or have you know been on an NFL roster or now XFL roster, I guess, at some point in time. <laughs> but uh, my, man, just where we were in 19 so what happened in 2020 being a COVID year and everything being hit or miss on who who we're going to play each week are we going to have a season uh you know having practices canceled because of this and that and games canceled uh I mean that was just a wash of a year in 21 there were no excuses it was you know it was a down year and I felt like that's what 2019 should have felt like for a lot of people uh and then here we are this year. I think this is just very – I'm very encouraged. I want to see a quarterback come in. I want to see a quarterback develop under set. Uh, I want to see us continue to get weapons on the outside, bigger up front. Uh, and the, these recruits that we're going to be getting here in the next couple of years, I want to see them utilized, basically. Sat yeah. has had success at App State. All these teams – they never beat a Power 5 team, I believe. Not – uh, I don't know if Sad did beat a Power Five team at App State whenever he, I think he did. Oh, I think he but, did. I think he had one in there. But regardless, all his Power Five games were close, and any of those teams will tell you that App State fought them the hardest year in and year out. Now imagine us getting all these dudes and all these ballers in here, and we get this culture of hey, we're going to reload, and you're going to reload with better and better talent every year, and guys are going to have to be on their P's and Q's to keep their job on the field. Otherwise there won't be a, you know, Oh man, uh, such and such is out there getting singled out. So I, I'm encouraged. I'm very encouraged. And I don't think it is a failure of a season, even though we lost to Kentucky. P-Dog, what we got? Failure, success. Well, so the first thing that I do when you go back and try to analyze this is what were our, our expectations entering the season, right? Uh, the the most optimistic prediction that I could find was Matt predicting eight and four. Uh, ESPN's FBI had Louisville going six six point three and five point seven. Vegas had Louisville at five and a half. Man. Vegas had Louisville at five and a half. Um, when you go and <clears throat> just look at at what everybody was predicting, the end result, although it went much more much differently than we expected going into the season the end result was was either about the same or better than, than what people predicted outside of Matt, of course. Um, and, and I'm trying, you know, I'd have to go back and listen to what you guys said in, in the preseason. Uh, but I think they were all about the same, like right in that seven to eight win uh, right area. Right. And yeah, you lose the whole one. I did, but I was, I... go ahead. I was going to say, <laughs> I'll, I'll lose, get to that in a second. <laughs> lose by one to Boston college. You lose on the last drive to Florida State, um, and then, you know, you just kind of throw a clunker out there against Kentucky. Like, I think – well, and then obviously the, the season over, opener against Syracuse, you know, that feels like, you know, a year last ago. Year. Yeah. yeah, literally last year it, almost. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, 
So when you, when you put all of that together, yeah, it went a lot differently. Like I think going into the season, everyone expected Louisville to lose to Pittsburgh and they picked up a win there. Um, most expected, uh, you know, losses to, I believe it was Wake Forest and NC state and they picked up wins there. Um, you know, we thought that James Madison was going to be a challenge, which it was, uh, but pulled out a, a pretty convincing win against James Madison, uh, played, you know, pretty close with Clemson. Um, so there were a lot of good things to throw in there. And then you also have the win. I, I don't think many of us thought that Louisville was going to beat Central Florida. And that's going to, that, you know, looking back on the season, uh, UCF's going to be a 10 plus win team. Uh, are they at nine and three right now? I believe. I think they're at nine and three right now. Yeah. yeah. So they're averaging nine and three. Like 35 points a game. <clears throat> Yeah, I was about to say, they're averaging almost 40 points a game. Um, and, and Louisville held them to 14, one on the road, uh, on, on the heels of, of losing by whatever it was, 31 or 28 to Syracuse. Um, so there were some impressive parts about this season. Obviously, the way that, that they gathered themselves for that stretch between, um, I guess it was Virginia and, and uh, uh, NC State. But with all that in mind, given that, you know, your starting quarterback who's like a deep Heisman sleeper coming into the season was pretty much in and out of the, of the lineup all year. Um, given the fact that you lost your, you know, expected to be stud nose tackle on the first play of the season. Um, there was a lot of bad that happened to this team and they, they ultimately fought and, you know, fought to a seven and five uh, schedule or results. Uh, and yet it does feel a bit disappointing because I think that the team played better than the record this season. Um, so when you factor all of that in, <clears throat> I think ultimately it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a wash. Uh, but I, I think it was enough that you look at, at the program that Scott Satterfield has built and you're comfortable with that. Uh, Cause the last thing I'll say too, that, that fans don't want to hear, they don't want to factor this in, but this is the hardest schedule they've ever played. At least it's the hardest schedule they, they've played since they became a part of a conference. I know there are some of those Schnellenberger teams that just played a gauntlet of a schedule as an independent team. But as far as, like, name name a more difficult schedule that Louisville's played. They played nine teams that were ranked at some point. They beat two ranked teams, which that's the only the second time in school history that's happened. Yeah, nine, nine games against teams that won seven games or more this year. Yeah, I mean, the so schedules are actually well. While you're on that topic, Presley, I decided to look it up real quick. Looking at uh, the past 61 years of Louisville football, uh, according to Football Reference, their strength of schedule was the third highest in program history. Yep. Yeah. And what were the seasons that were higher, if you don't mind me asking? 1983 as an independent and 2018. 2018. Interesting. Yeah. Look at that. 2018. How about that? <laughs> hey, so we didn't suck. That was I'm a hard-ass schedule right Bring it back. That was. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, ultimately, I think that's the last thing you have to factor in, though, right, is that the competition was very, very tough this season, uh, and you faced a lot of very good defenses. I think people don't factor that in a lot. Uh, and I think the ACC was was better than it's been in quite a few years. I mean, when you when we look back on the season, Florida State uh, had one of their probably their best seasons since uh, since that um, 2016 year when when Louisville stomped them. 
Uh, Clemson still ended up being very solid, even though they were expected to be terrible. Ten wins. Season. <laughs> yeah, ten yeah wins another 10-win season for Clemson. What they do. Uh, when you look at, at Wake Forest, NC State, uh, Syracuse was way better than everybody expected this year. When you look across the board, uh, Pittsburgh was, was a really solid team this year. Across the board, this was a very, very challenging schedule, and your bye game was against a team who was in the top 25 this year. So when you factor all of that in, uh, that's not that's you know pretty impressive to think about. So I, I think I think it's a wash, but I think that what is being developed is, is much more encouraging than than you know the very you know the very present feeling of kind of dread because of another loss to Kentucky. I also want to throw this out too, using football reference again, which is a phenomenal tool. They've got a metric, which is basically their version of like SP plus or something along those lines. It's called SRS simple rating system. It is, let me hover it over again, a rating that takes into account average point differential and strength of schedule. The rating is denominated by points above below average, which where zero is average going back uh, 61 years of Louisville football, which is when, Football Reference started tracking Louisville football's season. Take a wild guess as to where this season of Louisville football ranks over the past 61 years. Seventh. <laughs> right on the nose, actually. Whoa. <laughs> I, I swear. That's I impressive. Very impressive. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, it. I, that's what I'm trying to convey to people is, like, it, feel, it feels like shit. It feels like shit because – the same stuff happened. You dropped two games against Syracuse and and uh, um, Boston College that nobody expects you to lose to, and mm-hmm. now that that dread continues. And then you lose Kentucky again, and you lose to Clemson again. So when you think about it from a from a macro perspective, right? People they don't want to hear that because everybody decided already the season we're done with Satterfield. We're not showing yep. up to the games. Yep, putting on the program. Blah blah blah. Reality of the situation is they also had a lot of good wins sprinkled in there, and they they had a, they won in impressive fashion in a lot of these games. I mean, like they beat they won at Virginia by seventeen without their starting quarterback. They beat Pittsburgh basically with no quarterback. Like the, you know, what I'm saying like they. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they so yeah. like their their top ten team had eight turnovers in a football yes. game. I mean that Wake Forest a three. I don't care how far they fell. The better offenses in the country, yeah. and we got him to turn the ball over like that Eight and put times. a hole in his draft plan because he keeps two hands off the football at all times. <laughs> Look, it, it, it's it's a unsuccessful season. Let's just be realistic, and, and and here's why: this this team is the most talented football team Scott Satterfield has one ever had in his entire career, uh, hands down, hands down. And two, it had every bit of of uh, the pieces that you would want for a team to be better. You've got a star quarterback. You've got a robust running game. You've got a strong offensive line. You've got an improved defense. And uh, it's, a, it's an unsuccessful season, in my opinion, because your six-year quarterback, um, um, he showed that he is a great, great athlete on the football field, but he was a doo-doo quarterback. 
do-do quarterback. If he's even slightly better, Louisville football wins nine games, even slightly better. Now, listen, he was injured in a lot of scenarios, so that's not his fault in, in a lot of ways. But overall, Malik Cunningham had the opportunity to kind of propel this team over and move them forward. Now, his receivers, it's not his fault he lost Tyler Harrell and Jordan Watkins. It's not his fault that he's had that kind of turnover year after year. But I expected him to be better than he was, and I think the record is a reflection of that in some way. Now, they beat a top-10 team. They beat a top 25 team. Scott Satterfield won four games in a row for the first time in his career. They won five of their last seven. They're rushing statistically the worst rushing team Scott Satterfield has had ever in his football career in, in, the, in college football at the FBS level. And they still and isn't won this seven the first games. time? Isn't this the first time that Louisville's beaten multiple ranked opponents in the same year? I, there's a statistic out there that's something like that. It's, it's no, been a it, while. It's, it's the second time they beat multiple ranked opponents. The first time was in 2006 when they beat three ranked opponents. But every yeah. every other there well, there's multiple seasons they haven't they never even played a ranked team. There are a lot of seasons where they didn't. Uh, but this season they had obviously quite a few opportunities, uh, and I think they uh, in head to head matchups they finished I believe two and three. Currently ranked opponents that's it changes, you know, week after week. So that's kind of a hard hard metric to gauge. But yeah, so second time ever they've they've won two games against a ranked opponent. There's all of these different numbers. We're going to dive into them over the next couple of weeks. But at the end of the day, what I define this season to be successful in is the fact that Scott Satterfield reinvented this offense on the fly. They they reinvented this football team on the fly. That week against Boston College, I cannot wait until he comes on the show. I'll tell you right now, my question to him is going to be, tell me what that locker room was like after BC and what changed. <laughs> because something happened. Like something clearly lit a fire under this football team. They fought back. They won five of their final seven games. They made it the impossible happen and just getting bowl eligible um say what you will about the teams they played say what you will about the losses the wins whatever uh it's successful in the fact that this team was literally in a casket about to be buried and they woke up and came back undertaker style and that's successful to me because that coach had no business and what we were where we were after boston college scott Satterfield has no business being the head coach at louisville um but yet he fought back because he that he proved that um, that he is a, a, is capable of doing so. Um, so that's kind of the, the bow on top of the Kentucky conversation and just the overall, uh, it feels weird to be having a wrap-up conversation, but just kind of the wrap-up of 2022. We're going to dive much more specifically into the roster next week. We're going to dive much more into the bowl opponent once we get that. Um, our, our season has not ended yet by any means. There's still a lot to talk about, um, but definitely uh, a frustrating end there against Kentucky. Now, just quickly switching gears, uh, we said we were going to do a, a bit more of a roster um, kind of overhaul conversation tonight, but I just want to keep it brief so that we have things to talk about over the next couple of weeks as um, you know how, how we can the do a cycle. whole hour show where I teach Matt how to cook chili. If you I want think, to, I think I should teach that class because I, I hear if we did a chili cook off, I'm winning that. <laughs> no, um, but let's talk about roster turnover real quick. The transfer portal becoming much more of a conversation with college football and college basketball, really. Um, guys can go as they want, don't have to sit out. Um, you know, so we're going to see a lot of movement. We've already seen a lot of movement uh, over the last, you know, 48 hours since the season ended. Four guys enter in two day period. <laughs> That's right. Matt, give us the update. What do you got? All four guys. So obviously, who, who the they? very first guy was uh, Travion Cooley, and then he was followed up by Caleb Banks, which was a little bit of a surprise. But there had been whispers that he might be entering the portal. That was hasn't played since James Madison. Yeah, that was a little bit of a disappointing 
departure there because there was hope that he would be a long-term answer at nose tackle, but he is in the portal. And then today, as of this recording, uh, Derek Edwards, the third, he entered the portal after having played a grand total of zero snaps on defense and 12 on special teams over a period of two years. And then right before we started recording, uh, Jalen Mitchell entered the portal, which we saw coming both him and Cooley. Yeah, so we talked about at the beginning of the season, if you go back all the way back to the conversation with uh, Dave Skoll, we talked about the running back position, previewing it. The question I had then was, who's going to be who's going to be cannibalized? Whose carries are going to be lost because of a full room? But what we're going to see over the next couple of days and, and weeks, really, is going to be movement on this team. We're going to see, uh, uh, I think, uh, upwards of 15 guys hit the portal from this team strictly because there's a lot of players who don't play. Like if you go back and you look at the 21 class, the 22 class, even the 2020 and 2019 class, there's a lot of guys that were brought in who just haven't played a lot of football. Um, So by the numbers, they're going to lose guys. Uh, But I think that the, the, the real big task for Scott Satterfield and company is, um, can you upgrade it with each guy that you lose? Is that a possibility? You know, for every Derek Edwards that you lose, can you get a Quincy Riley for every Caleb Banks that you lose? Can you get a Jermaine Lola? Can they go and upgrade this roster, get guys who are ready made? Because here's what I can tell you guys. I don't know if Scott Satterfield can withstand a rebuilding season. And that's where Louisville is headed next year. They lose 12 starters out of 22 total starters um, they have questions at quarterback with Malik Cunningham leaving. You do have Pierce Clarkson coming in. I have concerns about Pierce Clarkson playing year one, just the height, weight, size type of – he's already had a ton of injuries this season playing for St. Bosco. Uh, but overall, I just – I think that this team next year, you have some pieces, but you're you're losing more than any Louisville football team. I can remember since maybe 2017, 2016, those Lamar years. Mm-hmm. it's going to be a rough go and, and next year if you don't rebuild this team to get experience and, and difference makers in the portal. I, I think we go and look uh, where we've been looking in the portal for every guy that we're losing. Yeah, we can, you know, we can bring somebody else in too at the same time. And that's, a I think, the FCS and these lower levels. I think a lot of high school kids are starting to say, you know, screw this JUCO stuff. I can go play at uh, Toledo or somewhere in the MAC. Uh, FCS maybe one double A and uh, put up some crazy numbers and be out of there in a year or two. Yep. What's the worst case scenario? You know, I'm getting my school paid for for free and I'm a four year fo- college football player at that point. So I think that's where Sat and them really need to attack. I mean, we haven't. I mean, at which of the FCS or lower level guys haven't have really missed for us? Ooh, I can name several. The, the, the Carter Harper was one this past year that just didn't. Well, he transferred, so he didn't count. Right, but he didn't pan out. He didn't get the chance to play on the field. But yeah, you're right. You do have Tyler Hudson well, and other guys I, that performed well. I agree with that to an extent. I mean, you can find guys like Tyler Hudson who we had a feeling was going to have a good season, and it, it took a little bit of time for him to kind of adjust. But then that back half of the season, he really tore it up. I know Louisville. I can't remember what his his name is, but they're targeting like a six six receiver at the FCS level now. He they offered him last week, so I'm. I would assume that they would be good in the running for uh, uh, him, but they need to attack hard and heavy at power five. Yeah. I would. How do you feel about uh, your old buddy from uh, Georgia tech, the quarterback, Matt, do you think there, he would be an okay fit for us? He seems kind of like a Malik esque. I know we don't want to be searching for another Malik, but. 
you probably know better than I do. See, the thing is with Jeff Sims, he has got a ton of potential. He was a really highly rated recruit out of high school. I covered him when he first committed to Georgia Tech. He's He's got a lot of potential, but there are some parallels to Cunningham in a good way and in a bad way. He's got a very similar play style to Cunningham being a scrambling type quarterback with you know a pretty good arm. There were some accuracy issues. He was banged up, though. I'm going to err on the side of optimism here because Jeff Collins was a terrible fucking coach. (laughs) I mean, that's just the most blunt way I can put it. I mean, you saw what Georgia Tech did once they got rid of him. They looked like a completely different team. They were competitive. They knocked off Pitt at their place. They knocked off UNC at their place. I mean, granted, they still lost a couple games in there that, you know, they got their ass beat. but. Georgia Tech was completely different, but I know Sims wasn't wasn't really part of the equation because he was kind of battling a foot injury, if I remember correctly. But I mean, a bridge year if we're if Louisville is going to go with a bridge year quarterback, and you can kind of have that debate on if they should go with a one year grad transfer or something akin to that, or go with Pierce or go with Pierce Clarkson right out of the gate. But if you are going to go with a one year quarterback to serve kind of as a bridge for Pearson to kind of get acclimated to the college game. Jeff Sims, I don't know if he'd be the top of the list, but, I mean, he would certainly be in the mix. I mean, as the our Twitter group chat knows, they know, like, what quarterback I think would be a great one-year bridge quarterback, but we will wait until that quarterback does actually enter the portal before we have that discussion. <laughs> I mean, so when you look across the board at this roster construction, uh, I think that – it becomes very obvious how the staff views modern college football and what direction they should move. Uh, Louisville fielded one of its best defenses ever this season, and it was on the backs of transfers. Yaya Diaby is a JUCO guy. Jermaine Lole is a graduate transfer. Ashton Gelati is one of the only – Ashton Gelati and Yasir Abdul are the only two – Debo as well. Right, right. But well, I mean, I'm just saying, like across, across the starters, right? But yeah. I mean, yeah, but you're exactly right. Yeah. So, so Ashton and Yasir, Debo, uh, Cam Wilson, um, Desmond Tell, Mason Riger, like there are some guys um, that that have been effective that came in as two Louisville as freshmen. But then you look at Momo was a grad transfer this year. Jarvis Brownlee is a transfer from Florida State. Trey Clark's a transfer from Liberty. MJ Griffin's a transfer from Temple. Uh, so you, and then you just kind of sprinkle in your developmental players, right? Like your Josh Minkins, your Ben Perry's, uh, as I mentioned, the Des Tells, the Debo Joneses. But I mean, again, you look at uh, Marvin Dallas was a Juco transfer. Quincy, Quincy Riley's a transfer. Kendra Duncan's a transfer. So the majority of playmakers on one, you know, probably the best defense that, that, we've seen in the last since, since Charlie strong left for sure. That was all on the backs of transfers. <clears throat> then you look at the offense kind of the same way. Uh, you know, I mean, Marshawn Ford was a walk on and it's kind of similar to, to, you know, a Mason Riger type of thing. Um, but then you look across the board, Tyon Evans is a transfer from Tennessee. Tyler Hudson's a transfer from uh, what was it? Arkansas. Uh, Central Arkansas. Central, Central Arkansas. Arkansas. Um, D Wiggins is a transfer from Miami. Um, you know, Jalen Carter was a walk on Jawar Ward's a transfer from Syracuse. 
Brock Doman's a Juco guy. Uh, so you go down the list, the more and more you look at this roster, the more you realize that it's the transfers that are making the impact 100%. And so when you look at this transfer portal, um, there's a really good chance that you can make this roster even better next season if you play your cards right in the transfer portal because mm-hmm. of what you're bringing in as far as talent on the freshman side of things. Uh, so across the board, I think that we are only just beginning to see uh, what this roster is going to look like next season. You know, I sat down a couple of weeks ago. I think Jacob did an even more in-depth look at this, um, you know, on his own. You know, he's Mr. Spreadsheet with all of his tasks. <laughs> yeah, so. um, but yep. – when you know this time last year we had no idea most of these guys were even going to be on a team you know Momo Sonogo Jarvis Brownlee um, uh, Quincy Riley so it's there's a lot of time left you know it's not even you know not even bowl season yet Uh, and and so you know when we look at this roster in February it's going to be completely different and you could have 10 new starters well this roster could be completely different two weeks from now Right, right. Oh, please don't. And, yeah, but I mean that's reality, though, man. Like you're gonna have you're gonna have like a cycles of like fifty to sixty guys between coming in and 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 you know leaving and coming in. So it used to be like you know you could have a small class of like 12, 13 players and have continuity. But really, what's happening is the roster is just aging up. You know, it, you you have guys that come in and they're they're freshmen and sophomores and they play somewhere else. They either don't get enough playing time and they transfer in or they don't get enough playing time here and they transfer out. And that's kind of going to be how the carousel works from now on. So there's going to be, you know, not only are you transfer, are you recruiting the freshmen, but you're recruiting the current sophomores and you're recru- recruiting the the seniors that could come back for one more year. Uh, so, you know, we never thought in a million years that you'd lose Jordan Watkins and Tyler Harrell last season. And you did. So um, with all that in mind, I think the quarterback conversation that you guys are, are, you know, that most people are wanting to have is an important one. And in my opinion, yeah, I, I, it's very difficult to look at a true freshman quarterback, especially in the situation that Scott Satterfield's in, where, you know, he was at one point, there were rumors that he wasn't even going to make it halfway through the season. Um, when you're in that kind of situation, the last thing that you want is a quarterback that is, you know, has to get his feet under him. Um, I mean, part of that is on the coaching staff. You know, if you bring in, um, why, why am I blanking on his name? Number two, um, Caleb Johnson, Caleb Johnson. Yeah. If you bring in Caleb Johnson and he doesn't see a snap this year, uh, that's either a development thing, a relationship thing. Like there's something missing there if he can't even see a snap on the field. Um, so that's, you know, on, on from one aspect, you, you could look at it from that regard, right? But on the other end of things, you know, it certainly would have behooved Louisville to have a quarterback that could complete the easy passes and make his reads this year. And that's ultimately what held Louisville back. I mean, you know, you know, we started out the season, Lee Cunningham, you know, we tried to make him a pocket pass for the first two weeks of the season. It wasn't mm-hmm. happening. So they unleashed the beast. Malik starts running all over the place again, but then he starts getting hurt again. And then you bring in, uh, you know, a backup Juco guy, which again, you know, Brock Doman was great in spurts, but he is not a week-in, week-out Power 5 starter. He's and a good so, change-up to throw in there every once in a while. Nice little slider. But, right. Uh, and so that's why a, a, a flyer for a grad transfer would be perfect. You know, a guy who's, like, really coming onto his own, has some experience, has some starting experience, 
you need somebody who's going to be able to stand in the pocket, uh, you know, read the field and make good decisions. <laughs> I mean, when you look at when you look at what cost Louisville games this season, that was what it was. You know, yeah, just, just step up and be able to deliver the ball downfield. I mean, it. it's a lot easier yep. said than done, but at the same time, as we're doing that, personally, I would love for a guy to hit, you know, the check down in the backfield sometimes. Yeah, it's okay cool. to get five. It's okay to get five. We I'd I mean, much rather live with second and five than second and fourteen after a sack or an interception. Yeah. Like how many, how many times did you guys talk game? about that in the offseason about the, the quarterback or the, the running back passes, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, you would think it'd be very I mean, it's it's just an easy way to get yards. And that's what the good teams good good teams do. They find a way to get easy yards and they hit you on big plays. That's I mean, football's not football's not that hard. Oh. Sorry. You didn't know this show had uh, music now, huh? Yeah, it's the new outro music. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be it for us, guys. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, that's it, – it, it was very costly this season that um, Louisville had, you know, a, a serious lack of big plays. And so when the bad plays happened, it really impacted them, you know, three or fourfold, right? Yeah. So in seasons past, you had a Tutu Atwell, you had a Tyler Harrell, you had a Des Fitzpatrick. You had guys who could – you could spread it out. They would get open out of jail up. free. Yes. And you get into <laughs> – how many times last year did you see Malik get into like a third and 17 and they and get their asses out of it? That didn't happen this year at all. When they got in third and long, it was over. Not or playing for fourth down like the U.K. game a lot. Yes. Let's get yeah. our – and uh, 14 and we can live to play fourth and three or whatever, you know, I mean, yes. And yeah. that's, you know, I, I, I think that that was what impacted them so much. There were so many situations where Louisville just didn't have a guy who could ultimately, you know, step up and, and be the guy that gets open. And, and when guys were getting open, <laughs> they, yeah, be able to hit them. they weren't finding them. Uh, you know, it's kind of a miracle that Tyler Hudson had over a thousand yards this season. When you think about it that way, you know, I mean, there were, there were lots of situations where, you know, he's not getting thrown open. So he's, and he's not getting himself open. He's not very fast. No, that just means that he's one of the most sure-handed receivers I've ever seen in my life. If that's the case, because (laughs) that's the, that is the only reason that, that he was ultimately, ultimately able to, to be in that sort of situation. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you know, I hate playing this game, but are there are there any guys right now, and maybe you know better than anybody, Matt, are there guys that stand out at all that you've seen hit the transfer portal that intrigue you that you know you you that you're monitoring at all? I mean, it, it's it's hard to keep running tally just because there's so many players who've already decided they're going to enter. Um one that kind of caught my eye was a star receiver out of Missouri. I, I should have had this prepped ahead of times, but like, he's the first guy that comes to mind. Like he would be a perfect fit for maybe not a perfect fit, but a a much neat, much a huge need for Louisville, like a playmaking wide receiver. There's been a lot of buzz. Dominique Lovett is the name of the guy from Missouri. Gosh. Yeah, that's what it is. And then there's been a lot of buzz from the fan base about, you know, going back to a bridge quarterback. I know that, um, we talked about uh, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech earlier, but a lot of fans 
showed a little bit of early buzz when Michigan QB Kane McNamara entered the portal. As if if people don't know, through the first like three, two, three games of Michigan's season, Harbaugh was essentially having an open QB battle during Michigan's cupcake non-conference schedule. Uh, Cade McNamara, who was Michigan's starter last season for a Michigan team that went to the college football playoff. Um, he lost the job to J.J. McCarthy. He rides the bench all year. He's now in the portal, as we kind of expected him to be. So that, if you're going to look at a bridge QB, that might be someone to look at. That just screams, I'm going to transfer to whatever next school I go to and throw for like 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns like Joe Burrow did and – you know, give it a big F you to the former school. Yeah. And he might, depending on where he goes. But like, those are the two that kind of stick out to me. Actually, nope. Take that back. There was a third, another guy that entered just today. Um, and it's a guy that Louisville played just this season. Uh, USF, I know when you hear USF, I'm like, oh, who does USF have? Like, they're, they were a bunch of bums, like Louisville steamrolled them, which you're not wrong. But USF did have a handful of guys that were really good, and one of them was uh, linebacker Antonio Greer, who was a the first a first team um, All American, um, not All American, first team All Conference guy the last couple seasons, but he was kind of limited this year due to injuries. But if you're gonna if you're talking about a guy who can replace probably more so Momo than Monty, like being kind of the run stop stopper and not the pass rusher. Um, Antonio Greer fits that mold. He's a phenomenal linebacker, and just because he played at the Chief Five level doesn't mean he can't ball. Like he he's a baller. So if you're looking at a guy to kind of be that the guy who fills run gaps and does like decently well in coverage, I mean Greer is that guy. Yeah, I mean it's it's we're gonna have a lot of these conversations in the coming weeks. And the hard part about college football is that it's it's 10 times harder than basketball to keep track of because there's just 10 times, 15 times the amount of players. And so, I mean, like if you go and look at the transfer portal trackers, like it's, you could refresh it and get new guys every five minutes. And so oh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I'm more interested to see when the staff gets involved with guys and uh, you know, kind of go from there. Uh, are are there is there a position that stands out outside of quarterback? I think we all agree that it would be nice to have a reliable veteran quarterback to help ease the transition for Pierce Clarkson. Uh, but it, what what other positions stand out to you guys as a place where we have to improve? So for me, the ones that kind of jump out immediately, of course, we've talked about wide receiver ad nauseum there, so I'm not going to go deeper into there. Um, the next one for me is probably right guard because Caleb Chandler, he's leaving. We know that, but I feel pretty confident in Luke Andrews ability to kind of step up and fill in right behind him um, over at left tackle. Yeah. Trevor Reed is leaving, but again, feel good about the guy behind him and Michael Gonzalez, Brian Hudson. I would assume he might stay for another year, but I mean, he could test the waters, uh, the NFL draft waters. Uh, right tackle, you have Renato Brown. He's going to need to step up a little bit, but I mean, he's still a guy who's seen a fair amount of snaps for the last couple of years. But then, right guard, you've got Adonis Boone, the other senior that's on the line. He'll be leaving. Behind him is Josh Black, and I'm not barring some sort of off-season progression from him. I'm not sure he's ready to step up into a starting role. So, someone to kind of fill right guard, and then 
defensive line. I mean, we've seen how much Louisville absolutely needs size in the DL. But, I mean, you've got Ashton Gelati. You've got guys like Des Tell and Jermaine Lallet, who I anticipate coming back. You've got size there. But you can always have more, especially since you got to have a monster like Yaya Diaby leaving. Like, that's a force. Diaby stepped up his game this season, and that's going to be something that Louisville misses sorely. So I, I think this could be a position that Louisville hits the portal heavy at. And then arguably their biggest portal need besides wide receiver, I think, is linebacker because you're losing Yasir Abdullah, you're losing Momo Sonogo, Monty Montgomery, and that's three seniors, three impactful seniors right there. So, and I I think Debo Jones is going to be able to step up behind Monty. I, I liked what I saw from him at the times. Uh, KJ Cloyd and Jalen Alderman behind Momo, they were kind of hit or miss. I'm not sure if they're completely ready to step into a starting role just yet. And then Popeye might be able to start next year over Cam Wilson now that Abdul is gone, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. He's still kind of young. Regardless, I think Ben Perry starts at card, but regardless, you're probably going to need one, maybe two more impactful linebacker transfers just due to the amount of experience and production that you're losing from that overall spot, whether that be outside or inside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the across the defense, kind of as we indicated, it's there are a lot of holes that are going to need to be filled. But I, I think that, uh, you know, we saw the guy from, you know, I, I think it was like pro football focus or one of those that was kind of lamenting the fact that that Yasir Abdullah was considered a linebacker when he played mostly up on the line. Uh, to me, that's just kind of a, a lack of understanding of, of football schemes. But, you know, that was so here. dumb. That's not that was stupid. That was yeah. stupid. Like when you have when you have two interceptions outside the numbers more than twenty yards downfield. The same it's a three-four defense. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, just like what year just, were you born? Just, were you just playing ball? You're like, but to his to his point, um, you know, just an edge rusher as a whole, right? That's what Louisville needs. You need you need guys that can fill those gaps, right? Like, and I'm not sure that Dorian Jones is going to be that, right? Like, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, may, you know, we know Mason Riger is is a solid fundamental football player, but it could, it could be very similar to like a Monty Montgomery. Like, I, you know, you don't want to put guys in the situations that they're not supposed to be in, right? And I, I think that we saw Monty get exposed on that a lot this season where yeah. he was a situational guy and thrived in that, in those situations for his first two seasons with Louisville. This year he was asked to be a starter and an every-down guy, and, it, you know, he has weaknesses in pass coverages. He has weakness. He has weaknesses kind of reading what the offense is doing. Um, so Shedding blocks. Shedding yeah. blocks. Shedding blocks, that's his main thing. Whenever he gets locked up with somebody, those smaller guys, and, I mean, I ran into this issue partially when I played linebacker at that level is, I mean, shit, my arms aren't long enough. I mean, I can't, yeah, you just can't do anything about it. I'm just getting Yeah. Yeah. So when, you know, you have guys, you know, you have a Monty Montgomery who can run a 4 4 40 and he weighs 240 pounds, 230 pounds, whatever he is. And he's just a human missile and he can go flying into the backfield and kill somebody. But you don't want to, you don't want to, 
try to replace that with somebody who's not compatible with that, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I think that to, to me, the number one thing that Louisville needs it, it is, is multiple guys who can rush off the edge, whether that be if they're putting their hand on the ground, whether that be if they're coming up from the linebacker position, they have to have more guys who can rush the passer. We've seen that Brian Brown can put them in advantageous situations, but you have to have those guys and you're losing a lot of those guys. So whether that be that they're listed quote unquote as a linebacker, like I wouldn't consider Popeye a linebacker by any means. No, uh, he's an edge rusher. Yeah. So when, when you look at him, when you look at it from that perspective, yeah, he's playing at the linebacker position, but he's an, he's an edge, you know, you're not seeing him out in coverage a lot. You're not seeing him drop, drop back. So what I'm saying is I don't want to put a Mason Riger in that sort of situation. I don't want to put a, you know, oh man, Riger ain't going in. Riger's a D tackle, man. But Riger is like a true hand in the dirt, dude. Papa is an outside linebacker. You see, is an outside linebacker. You see, I'm not, I'm not saying specifically league. in that situation. I'm saying I don't want to see guys have to take on a, a burden that they can't carry. Let me ask you this. I was thinking about this watching the UK game, and I think Yasir's dad even said it. Like, why was Papa not that other? outside linebacker for Ben Perry in those like clear rundown situations, you know, or even putting Yasir to the field, somebody that can run and move a little bit more and you might be more comfortable running a pass. I game. mean, are you going to take Ben Perry off the field then? I don't know, man. Like I, you could figure some way to put him somewhere. We found a way to yeah. get Chandler on the field. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. The, there's got to be a way that we could have finagled that to where, you know, we could have just had dudes out there. I, I don't know. I'm not going back to Kentucky. Press, wrap this, wrap this up. Yeah, let's wrap this thing up. I mean, look, we're going to be talking about the transfer portal a lot coming up. And so that'll be exciting. But I, I think the, the first thing we need to do is kind of assess uh, what, what the needs are going to be. And ultimately, that falls on who's coming back, right? Like a, mm-hmm. a big name that is still in the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, I'm, I haven't given up hope on it yet. It's Keytrail Clark. You know, I know he has another season of eligibility. Is that a guy who's going to the league? Because he kind of had a regression early in the season, stepped it up late. You know, there's there's guys like that. There's, uh, you know, as we kind of mentioned, there are guys like a Jermaine Lole that we haven't heard 100% if he's coming back or not. It seems like he's going to, but, you, you know, you kind of never know. Um, and so there, there are a few pieces that we'll see uh, whether or not they fall into place, and that can ultimately impact uh, the 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 the, uh, the direction that the staff has to go. So, um, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, until next time, for Jacob Blaine, Vince Lacoco, Matt McGavick, I'm Preston Meyer from the Pink Seats Podcast. Let's get out of here. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.